there was an inscription over him that said, This is the King of the Jews. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, I, I have, I, I'm feeling that there's no air conditioning going on in here because I'm warm and the incense is hanging heavy. So Adam is going to go rectify that situation, Adam Snell. So uh, hopefully we'll get some relief here soon. Uh, well, it is Christ the King Sunday. Uh, and I might say this every year, but I'll say it again. If I remember correctly, I think Jessica, this is her favorite feast day uh, in as much as we should pick our favorite feast days. But it's a good one. For sure, because as we come to the end of the liturgical year, and if you're visiting with us, next Sunday is the first Sunday of Advent, where we anticipate the coming of Jesus, both uh, as an infant in the manger, but also as as the glorious uh, resurrected Lord of uh, the universe, uh, the world. Um, This is the last Sunday in our year. Uh, Next Sunday, we start anew and we start fresh. And so it's something very appropriate that we end our liturgical year with celebrating um, the, the kingly nature of Christ. And first and foremost, what I would like us to hear tonight is that this feast is about Christ. Right? This is a Christological feast. The point of it is, is Jesus. Right? Because he restores all things, according to the prophet Jeremiah and the reading that we heard this evening. Because in him all things hold together, as Paul said to the church in Colossae, and because he is the savior of the world who has redeemed all of humankind, as we saw illustrated in the reading for the gospel, for those reasons, he's the king of the universe. But for those reasons, not only is he the king of the universe, but it's for those reasons that we look to him this evening, that we commemorate Christ the king, that we set aside a Sunday to reflect upon the kingly nature of Christ, who himself was prophet, priest, and king. Prophet because he spoke spoke forth the truth of God's word. Priest because he offered himself as the all-sufficient once-for-all sacrifice for the sins of humankind. And king because at his ascension he went to the right hand of the Father where he rules from to this day and always will rule. So as we prepare for Advent, we think about again, not just the infant in the manger, right? Not just the Christmas moment, though, yes, absolutely. We point ourselves in the direction of the manger. We point ourselves in the direction of the star over the city of Bethlehem. But we also reflect upon the nature of Christ as he who is the resurrected and ascended one. He who sits at the right hand of God the Father waiting to come and to judge the living and the dead. So it's the double nature of Advent, but Christ the King Sunday allows us to really reflect on the fact that that this is all about Christ, and that is what he does. Again, first and foremost, this day on which we celebrate and commemorate Christ as king is about him. It's not about us. It's about him. I mean, it is about us, but secondarily about us. And it's about us because of those ways that the scriptures, for example, tonight spoke about it. We take delight in thinking about Christ as being the restorer of all things. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. That's Jesus. He will raise up for David a righteous branch, Jesus, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. Thanks be to God, because this is a world of sin and and injustice 
and a lack of righteousness. So we want Christ to come back and set things right. And that is about us. But yet it's about Christ being able to do those things as the king of the world, king of the universe, king of kings and lord of lords. We delight in the fact that Christ holds all things together, as Paul says to the church in Colossae. I mean, ponder this. Ponder this. I've shared this before, but maybe it's been a while. Fourteen and a half years ago when we moved here, I used to walk every day from my house over to campus and just think like, I can't believe I live here. The sun's out. It's blue skies every day. It's palm trees. It was awesome. Minnesota and Toronto had gotten to me <laughs> for six years, right? Eight years, right? So I, I rejoiced in that. But then I started realizing, like, what I really should be rejoicing in, what I should see behind these beautiful things that I get to enjoy every day is that I didn't wake up and they're, like, floating about or disconnected or falling apart, that Christ is holding all things together. That the fact that I woke up and took a breath is because Christ holds all things together. Which, of course, is not to deny scientific principles that hold all things together, but to say God, Christ, works through those things. And so that is for us. It's nice to wake up and to have your arms still attached to you as opposed to being across the room because, like, no one's holding anything together. And so the world is going to be different today than yesterday, right? We get used to the routine. We get used to the monotony. But in getting used to it, we, we lose the vision to think about the fact that behind all of this is God. He made it and he sustains it. Christ holds it all together just to pick one element of what he does from the list in Colossians. And isn't it great that the gospel reading tonight allows us to think about what Christ has done for us and humankind? That he died on the cross unjustly. That though they hung the sign over his head that, king of the, that said king of the Jews to mock him, it was true. It wasn't a mock. It was true. And they didn't know it. Oh, except the one criminal did in fact know it. He figured it out. And he chose that day to be with Christ. Not to risk what would be on the other side of that crucifixion. So we get the opportunity to rejoice, right? We expect that reading to show up in Lent or Easter. But here we are today, tonight, having this opportunity. But again, it might be tempting to think like, yes, my life is not going well. I'm glad that God restores all things because I need that in my life. I am really glad that God holds all things together because I'm kind of losing it, but I'm glad Christ is holding it together. I'm glad that he can do that for me as I lose it because of busyness and frustrations and whatever else that challenges us in our life. And, of course, we should always be thankful for salvation. But isn't it great that we can rejoice in the way that Christ has redeemed all of humankind, but not just because of us, but because that's who he is. And the fact that he sits at the right hand of the Father right now as king means that he will constantly restore all things. That he's done it, he's doing it, he will do it. That all things will and do hold together in him and always have. And because he died once for all, that it has the ongoing effect to save anyone who comes to him in repentance. Acknowledging that he is their savior. Yeah, I do want to get excited about Christ the King because it is so much about me. But that would miss the point that I need to celebrate Christ as king. 
And I need to ask myself, acknowledging that he's king, confessing, if you will, that he's king, I need to ask myself, but is he my king? Do I think of him as my king? Do I treat him as my king? Do I allow him to be my king? You know, parenting an 18-year-old, Brendan, this is new to us. We haven't done this before, right? We had a new thing today. Brendan got approved for a credit card. We said, okay, you got to build some credit. Got to teach him how to do this well. So he applied and got accepted for a credit card. New day's coming, right? He's got to learn how to use that. I have to, to teach him, but will he allow me to teach him? I hope so. Will he listen to what I think will be the good things that I teach him about using a credit card? Of how to establish credit and never owe anyone anything? I hope so, but at the end of the day, like, he has to decide, am I going to listen to my dad who has more wisdom than me in these things? Right? He's got to make that decision. I can teach him. I can train him. I can pray for him and close my eyes when he's making mistakes and all that kind of stuff. So he has to learn. But again, with God, like, am I, am I just confessing that he's the king, but then like taking charge of my own life? Do I confess with my lips? You are the king of the world. But in my actions, say, except in this part of the world. Maybe in this part of the world, wherever the heart kind of is there. That's a fair question to ask. Yes, God has done things for me. That's great. But am I, am I responding appropriately to who he is? But, of course, the other way to ask this is just to say, in what ways am I not letting Christ be king of my life? I can name, I can name some ways, and it wasn't real hard. It didn't take much. It was easy to think about the ways that I don't let Christ have control of things in my life. So we should all ask ourselves on this, the Christ the King Sunday. Christ is king, but is he my king? Am I letting him be my king? Can I name the ways that I'm not letting him be my king? In what ways are those things sinful that I would need to confess here in a few minutes? That's what I think tonight gives us the opportunity to do first and foremost to to acknowledge him as our king to sing songs about jesus being our king to hear the scriptures that we've heard read about jesus being our king and not just to selfishly enjoy the fact that we have a king but to think about is he king in my life he is the king of the world but is he our king too So as we go into Advent, thinking about what God has done for us through the person of his son, as we get caught up in the beautiful music, the family traditions that we have, the blue of the vestments, which I love, <laughs> right? Whatever it is that you, you like about the, the Christmas and holiday season, as we prepare to get caught up in that, we need to stop and ask ourselves, have I taken proper stock of the fact that Advent's not just about that little baby who's done things for me, but it's about he who is going to come back and judge the living and the dead, and where will I stand before him? That's what tonight allows us to do. So I encourage all of us, myself included, of course, that we allow the Spirit to speak 
to us now in this service, that we allow the God of the universe to to illuminate through his Holy Spirit the ways in which that we don't allow him to be a king. And tonight at the confession, it's going to be a little bit longer of a pause after the invitation to confession before we start it. And I want you to ask yourself, in what ways do I not allow Christ to be my king? And confess that to him. And then when we rise after the absolution, we rise before our king who loves us and wants to restore us and has restored us through our confession and will hold, who holds all things together, including our lives. And that we have the benefit of being reminded, particularly through the Eucharistic liturgy, that he's the savior of the world. There was a sign above Jesus that said, this is the king of the Jews. And it was right. So may we worship him as our king too. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.